podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nina Kauser Show. Uh, I wish these these podcasts would improve, the results would improve, but unfortunately it's not happening. Still searching for a win after that 7-0 hammering of Manchester United. Here we are, we're just waiting, we're searching. On the plus side, finishing... On- Eighth spot still looks highly, highly likely for the Reds. I mean, what a disappointing result and performance against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. It finished nil-nil. It was a late kickoff. I think Moss was just want to go to bed now. Depressed much? But joining me on this podcast, I'll have some callers and I've got two incredible guests. So let me introduce them to the show. First up, it is a good friend to the Nina Carver show. I'm delighted to have him back on the show. Um, it's Dave Horrocks. Dave, welcome back. Hello there, Nina. It's good to speak to you again, despite the circumstances of the football. I don't want to go there, but it reminds me of that season <laughs> where you and Sam Evans really, really did dig me out of some terrible, terrible results <laughs> and performances. <laughs> it just seems to be a common thing with us. But Dave, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sure you have plenty to to share about that result and performance and joining Dave on the podcast. It is a familiar voice on Anfield Index, a much respected voice as well, um, a good friend of mine and to everyone, it is Mr. Justin Wells. Justin, welcome back. That's a very nice intro. I appreciate that. I, I enjoy it. Enjoy that. it. I appreciate that more than the event that we're on this podcast to talk about. Well, you know what? I always look for the positives, and I'm here with two incredible people and get callers and the community on Discord, and we're going to have a good time because nothing is going to ruin my inner peace and my calmness. You know, I'm not going to let that happen, but you know, we will talk about the football, and I'm sure that will change. But guys, before I get to our first caller, I just want to get your thoughts after that because obviously, you know, um, uh, there's some big games coming our way. We've obviously lost to Man City, the Chelsea one now, and then we've got Arsenal over the weekend. How are you guys feeling? And I'm going to come to Dave first. I mean, how do you feel after that result and performance? Because for me, it just, it was just so uninspiring. It, I, I genuinely, I can't believe I'm saying this. I couldn't see you scoring. I'm just going to say it. No, I think we could play up until midnight and beyond, couldn't we? And still not score <laughs> yes. and yet look flaky at the back, but somehow managed to keep a, a clean sheet as well. So I guess oh, overriding emotion is just being flat. I was saying mm-hmm. to Justin and Lisa before we started recording that, you know, I'm I'm sort of looking for just some signs that Klopp and his, and his coaching staff are, are in a position to solve the problem and I'm just not really seeing anything at mm. all and so and and despite the flatness of, of how I feel right now I'm sure by the time we finish speaking I'll feel a little bit better and ultimately it could have been a lot worse couldn't it I mean after the City performance and the result we could have quite easily lost by a few goals tonight as well so we did keep a clean sheet so I, I think that is a positive um, but apart from that, I'm, I'm struggling, really. It's a good point that you made that we could have actually lost that game. And um, I'm going to come to Justin because, Justin, you kind of alluded to some things at the end of the first half as well. So I want to get your thoughts about how you feel after that game. I don't know. I think I was trying the foolish thing of thinking that, like us, when we spurn a bunch of good chances, we usually end up on the wrong end of a smash and grab from the inferior side. Us being the wildly inferior side today. I think the XP was like 2.12 to Chelsea to like 0.35 for us. So like, Awful. Chelsea got unlucky. Like, that's basically it. We were 
putrid. And it's just, I mean, it's the type of thing where, like, you know, at the very least, if you're going to look at a football match to try to analyze it and talk about it, one of the things you're interested in is what new things you're going to learn from it. But we, we're not learning anything new from any from any Liverpool matches like at, at all at this point. It's the same thing over and over again. And there's two ways you can react to it. You can be numb to it, which is kind of where I've gotten, or you can just you know be angry and let loose about it because, and let and let it out. You know, both are perfectly fine coping mechanisms because this team isn't giving you much to make you feel good at the moment. I think that's absolutely fair, and um, uh, you know. They're not adding to the joy whatsoever. And um, Project Finish 8th is looking highly, highly likely now because Reds are currently sat 8th, played 28, 43 points. Aston Villa have surpassed us into 7th position. Take it all day long. I do not want Europa League football. I just want to go on record and say that. I do not want it. I can't see who's getting 4th. But that's my little mini rant on this. I am going to go to wait, our wait, first wait, wait a minute. I, I got it. We got to address one thing. Aston Villa, who fired... Liverpool employee Steven Gerrard this season and hired Unai Emery have mm. surpassed a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool side. That's a uh, that's grim. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. It is grim, but you know what? I if I don't think we're getting fourth, Justin. I don't think we're getting fourth. And if we're not getting fourth, then I take eighth. I agree with you. I see no reason as to why anybody should think that getting fourth is likely because we're bad. Mm. I mean, the thing is, we're seven points off, you know, like a top four finish. But I just can't see it happening, Justin. That's the problem. I just can't see it happening. We've got to, we've got to focus on other teams to fall apart, which I can't uh, see us doing because we can't really do our own job. Yeah, I mean, it's not even the points fall apart. Like, you can make up seven points over now ten games. Like, we've seen teams do that, right? That's not – because that, that just takes a team to, to – but that change is getting three is being three results better than another team over the course of ten games, which in the fourth place races happens all the time. It's just the amount of teams ahead of us and the amount of teams that we have to contend with to do that that we're coming down from behind on. That's the part that basically makes it seem particularly undoable at this time. Yeah. I think that's fair. And you know what? I'm going to go to our first caller because he has been patiently waiting. And it is a familiar voice on the Nina Carver show. I love hearing from him. Um, I love his little segments. I think he summarises how he feels and kind of analyses the game so well in his short little segment. I should call it the Kieran Reed spot. Kieran, welcome back. Yeah, thank you, Nina. Ah, nice. A pleasure to have you on, Kieran. You know the drill. You know you know the format of the show. Take it away. Um, just... Uh... Another, um, uh, just a, a, another dreadful game of football away from home for Liverpool. Um, I thought, you know, we've all we've seen all night really from Liverpool. We were just we, the, the amount of times we gave the ball away was truly abysmal. We couldn't string two passes together. And truth be told, I think we can be very grateful that we're playing Chelsea, who can't hit a bar and get in front of goal. Um, because if it was any other team, we'd have got another slapping tonight. So. Um, I think the one positive you can say is that we didn't lose for once away from home. So, you know, I mean, there's not much else to say, really. It's just another drab display. It is. And I kind of like the fact that you kind of focus on the positive there, the fact that, you know, any other team would have slapped us. And I think you're absolutely spot on there, Kevin. They really would have. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add? 
Mm, not really, to be honest, because I'm just not <laughs> ready to talk about <laughs> I don't blame you, Kieran. I love that. Mm, probably as insightful as you get about that performance. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But, Kieran, thank you so much for calling. Uh, thank you very much. Well, the, the one thing I will say when, we, when we're at home, it would not shock me if we somehow beat Arsenal on Sunday. Because obviously, because I think in terms of the home form, it's not been that bad. It's only the one defeat in the Premier League this season. And, you know, I think the home form really hasn't been too bad. So it honestly wouldn't shock me if he got something on Sunday. But in terms of top four, that's, that is, that's, that's gone, I think. I think we'll be looking to even make Europa League football at this point. It's been that bad. It has been bad, and hopefully, if we can't get fourth, then I don't want Europa League football. I'm just going to be real with you, Kieran. Um, we keep saying that. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't mind Europa League football because I think it's, it, it's not, it wouldn't be all bad because I think, obviously, if we were to play in that next season, you know, you could play basically a League Cup team for the, for the group stages because and still go through comfortably. I don't want the Conference League because that's, that's just crap. That's the that's if if there's if there's, if there's the one European competition to avoid next season, it would be the Conference League. Mm. The Europa League at least offers you, if you win it, a road into the Champions League. So it shouldn't be ignored because it 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 gives you an opportunity to get in. Whereas the Conference League has no benefit whatsoever, except for just miles under players that you don't need. I'll just have a really hard time like pronouncing the teams that will have to play. You know, Euro Incision will have to drop its format and I'm I'm not ready for that. And Guy Drinkle thinks it would be hilarious if that happened for me personally. But yeah, I just don't think I'll I don't want it because I think it disturbs the squad. I think it disturbs the rhythm. I think you also don't get the Saturday kickoffs. I think it affects your scheduling a fair bit. I also believe where Liverpool are right now don't have the strength and depth. I don't know what they're going to do in the summer. For all those factors listed above, I just don't want it. I kind of like the fact that when Klopp had that reset, when he didn't have Europa League football one season and he successfully got us into top four, I'm kind of taking that mindset and I think that would do them a world of good. I think they also need a good slapping down and a humbling as well. Don't disagree. Yeah, that, that, um, I, that's just personally my choice. But I agree with you. Europa League is much better than conference. I hate conference. Conference is a joke. It's an absolute joke. But Kieran, thank you so much for calling. Really, really appreciate your call. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Nina. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And you know what, Dave? I'm going to come to you first because Jurgen Klopp had some stern words to say post Man City and, of course, um, the build-up to this game as well, saying he wants to make changes. There were players that didn't show up, maybe foreshored up against Manchester City and expect expect big changes against, you know, um, uh, Chelsea, who obviously recently sacked Graham, Graham Potter. So what did you make of the lineup? Um, uh, you know, Alisson in nets, Kanate Matip, Gomez right back, Shimikas left back, Jones, Fabinho and Henderson in the midfield, Nunes, Firmino and Jota. I mean, were you surprised to see that many changes? Or no, given the fact that what he's been sticking with hasn't actually worked at all. Well, there were rumours all today, weren't there, that um, Mo, Van Dijk and Trent would be dropped. So, uh, again, I was hopeful, uh, you know, we don't have these leaks, uh, but clearly we do. I must admit, I was quite annoyed when I saw the side. Um, the reason I was annoyed, not not because he's made changes or whatever, I just don't recall Klopp making this many changes. And it came across to me that he's got no other idea. It's mm. like the equivalent of being at the pool table, not having a clue what shot's on, and then just thundering the white ball into the rest of the, the pool balls. You know, it's just, I, I couldn't believe it. I, yeah, it's too many changes for me. It's It doesn't feel like managing minutes it just feels like an emotional you know we were rubbish and 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 aware it's ramadan i'm trying really hard not to swear so one might you can swear you went fasting no 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 i'm doing my best uh to be better at the moment so no i, I, I 
know that I want to, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just really uh, I, I let down. I, I know Robertson was rubbish. You know, Van Dyke, obviously, it sounds like he's ill anyway. Trent has not had the best of times at all since the World Cup, really. But I think to make so many wholesale changes, it's just like press this big red button because you've got no other idea what to do. And, you know, you've got, uh, he's bringing Firmino back. He's going to be gone in the summer. You've got Nunes out on the left wing there. I, I thought he had a decent game, actually, if you compare him to the rest of the side. But, you know, we bought him to be a number nine, didn't we? And it, it just it just feels unstructured. And, yeah, so that, that was my gut reaction when I saw the team, to be honest. I, I guess I was just uh, pleased that Milner wasn't in the side. But again, I, 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 my eye sort of drew to Henderson as well. You know, I, I'm not sure if there was a worse player at the weekend, but he seems to uh, play no matter what, pretty much. Yeah, it was a bit grim. And Justin, I want to get your thoughts on the team lineup because I think Dave's made some really good points there. Like, there was just too much change. And, um, you know, for me, and he mentioned Firmino there, and obviously we all love Roberto Firmino, but we know Roberto Firmino is going to be at that door pretty soon, right? And I just thought, well, if you're going to change that dramatically and it looks like you're kind of going a bit experimental, I was kind of thinking, why don't you just play Cavalio as a 10? Like, you know, instead of playing Firmino, play, play Cavalio as a 10. What damage could it have actually have done? It's... I think the best way to think about this is using a metaphor. We all we all know the movie Titanic, right? Where um, you know, obviously based on the real life story of the Titanic, where the string quartet was playing on the deck as the ship was going down. Yes. Right now, this has the feel of the the uh, the lineup are the are the people are the musicians. The ship's going down. You could ship. You could you could you can uh, you know you could change who the musicians are. But they're still playing the same broken tune, and the ship is still going down. Like there's, you're you're changing personnel. You're not changing anything tactical. You're not changing how these guys are being used. Our tactics are terrible, right? We're way too wide open. You're bringing in, and and basically the two players who are you know most sim- emblematic of how far we've fallen and how fast, uh, Henderson and Fabinho, are still right in the middle of it. So you're changing all these things around you know, you know, the engine of your ship, but your ship has long since hit the iceberg. Who, who's Jack? Uh, <laughs> good question. I think that might be Henderson, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Whichever one of them, whichever one of them isn't sold this summer, assuming one of them goes this summer, whichever one of them doesn't go this summer is Jack floating dead in the water and cold. And whichever one stays is Rose uh, nice and dry on top of the piece of plywood. Which was oh, enough yeah. room for both of them, by the way. There's Sorry, absolutely enough room for <laughs> yeah, both there of is. them. It, 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 I feel like that's the most well-established plot hole in any movie ever. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're talking about Titanic. We'd rather talk about Titanic than this game. I mean, yeah, uh, the, the lineup. I, I have to agree with you. The fact that he just kind of changed personnel, didn't change the tactics. I, like I said, I would have gone for Cavalio in, instead and maybe played a 10 as a mid, because he is a 10, and seen what maybe he could do, maybe like sort of link up with the attack, get him a little bit established, see if he can work a formation, change it up a little. And that's what's been the concerning thing for me, because it just felt very strange. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Dave, and um, this game kicked off exactly as I opened my fast. So I'm not going to lie, for the first 20 minutes, I was a bit more interested in my food. Not going to lie. Um, it is what it is. Um, uh, but what I did notice, and I was watching whilst I was eating, was the fact that they started off really aggressive. I thought Liverpool just looked, it looked, it looked dodgy from the get-go. It looked like players that have literally not played together. I think that's what you get, though, isn't it? When you change so many of the, the lineup, when you have just a few managed transitions you know you manage in the minutes as you go through the season this is what we've seen over the last five six years or whatever people know their jobs but when you have so many changes people are, are like strangers it becomes like a league cup match and uh, yeah it, it just looked really bad and the fact that Chelsea have been rubbish all year mm-hmm. 
And then you just knew it. I mean, when I saw Kante was playing as well, I couldn't believe it. He's not. You knew he's going to have the game of his season again. Sure enough, he was pretty damn good as well. So I, I thought they were really on the front foot. I thought they were snapping into everything. I thought they looked more incisive with the ball. They were pressing us at the back and we just looked casual. There was a moment early on where Havertz is kind of running at Matip, and I'm thinking, "Oh, this is the old Matip. He's he's shepherded him. Uh, you know, he looks very casual. He's just, you know, he's got Havertz where he wants him. No, no, Havertz just wanders right past him, and then it's a last ditch tackle. And so, every everything from our side just looked a bit rushed and a bit panicked. And uh, I thought it it took almost the whole half. I thought we finished it okay. And we had some decent chances, but for most of that first half, I, I thought we were playing second fiddle. We were. I mean, Justin, um, obviously, um, on Sunday, we, we heard the news that Chelsea have sat their manager. We had a good chit-chat about it on, on, our, on our group chat in WhatsApp. And, um, I mean, given the circumstances and everything, and obviously Klopp did make a lot of changes, would you... I mean, that hindsight is a wonderful thing. Do you think it would have been more better, maybe more pragmatic from the manager to play like a bit more of an established front three that is going to cause some problems? Maybe play your best players, absolutely stick it to them as quick as you can and then maybe take off them players rather than bringing them on. I mean, I don't know because I just felt like we started off so bad and when they were managerless and it's not the fact and they've been in in a poor run of form as well, their confidence isn't great and they too have, like they look like a very disjointed team as well with obviously with all the players that they've brought in and stuff. Would that have been a better sort of means for Jurgen Klopp to maybe go down that route? I I don't know what route he's going down. Like that's the problem. It's like what 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 was that team set up to do? Like how, like it was really unclear from the start how look he did, the, didn't it? Like just randomly just yeah. throw players onto a pitch. Yeah, like what was the defensive structure supposed to be? Right? No idea. Because the lines were not lines. They were very jagged and Chelsea got through on us a few times. Right. Mm. The one of which that we got really lucky on where just, you know, Ali's save goes back off of Herbert's hand because that, you know, going one nil against us away from home is good night. But, um, yeah, I just don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, what was, how were we, how were we meant to progress the ball? Um, what was the tactical responsibility of Curtis Jones who was thrown in? Um, what was Sip doing in general? Um, was a, a great question. Um, Bobby, like, you know, he hasn't played a ton of minutes lately. So so if you're using him centrally, like Howard, Jota, and Nunez supposed to run off of him, Jota is typically not particularly great when played on the right. We have a large sample set that tells us that. So yeah. there's just a lot of different things that we know that we've had a ton of time that we've seen a lot that we just got to see just uh, manifest themselves into a giant ball of what the fuck. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I am not abiding by the not cursing thing. <laughs> I wouldn't have you any other way, Justin. I would not have you any other way. I mean, Justin, I'm going to stick with you because, again, one of the chit-chats that we always have in our group is, of course, the case for Curtis Jones. And, of course, he featured today. I want to get your thoughts on him because I still don't think – I'm going to be honest with you. You know, this whole Jones thing gives me, like, Jordan Ibe vibes in a sense that 
we kept crying for Jordan and I because everything else was so fundamentally wrong in, in the team that you were like, no, 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 give him a chance, give him a chance, give him a chance. I just don't think he's good enough. I think he's a talented footballer who doesn't know how to play football. Like, the, the, all the touches and skills are there. He's very hard to dispossess of a football. That's a good quality to have. He has no idea what he's doing when, when he gets it. He just doesn't the impact the game just for me. He doesn't yeah. impact the game. And that's he doesn't, he doesn't impact He doesn't impact the game. The one thing for him is that, like, you know, I feel badly because his chances don't come with enough frequency for him to build any sort of rhythm or game intelligence. Like, it's a game intelligence thing. It's not, he, He's skilled. It's completely game intelligence. What are you meant to do when you're on the pitch? Like, most players have a pretty strong idea of where they fit tactically and what they're supposed to be doing. Curtis Jones is playing the possessing slash controlling midfield role of the three, you know, that, and he can't pass. So if you have a guy who does that and he can't pass, it better fucking beat Ginny Wijnaldum because uh, without that skill, that role becomes pointless. It becomes like, you know, just kind of damp. And you, you couldn't you couldn't counterattack um Liverpool with yeah. Jimmy Alden as well, you know, like he was resistant like that. He you know, he, he offered so much um of a shield for the defense. Yeah. I think Curtis those things are really, really now yeah, yeah. But it's just that that's that's what you're asking Curtis to do. Like use your dribbling skill set to basically approximate what Ginny did for us, but he does but Ginny was a genius footballer and Curtis is an extremely inexperienced one who hasn't enough time to actually uh you know, learn his trade. I also think it's extremely unfair to throw him in there and expect anything out of him. Expect, like, this better be at least giving him a run of games because you know what? You've got 10 games to figure out who can stay and who can go for next season. And you might as well give Curtis a chance to prove to you that he can be a part of the squad for next year. Because if he can't, and you know, and you should learn that now, learn it now for everybody's sake, for the kid's sake too, so he can get a move if he needs one. But the idea of just, you know, holding on to him but never actually playing him is uh, is a really bad one. Like, I'm glad that he got minutes today, but they, they need to come in better circumstances and they need to come more frequently for him for the rest of the season. I think that's a really fair and good assessment of Curtis Jones. And I'm going to come to you just, um, uh, Dave. I mean, what did you make of Curtis Jones and what did you make of him as a player as well? Because I think Justin's absolutely hit the nail on the head. He doesn't impact the game. It's because he's not had enough games to impact the game. Like, he looks like a rusty player who just doesn't know what to do. I mean, where do you stand with him? Because we saw him play today and it was in difficult circumstances, but I just don't see it. And it's no slight on the player. I just, I, and it's, it's, I'm not just, Targeting him out because the other two, my word, do you not know I mean like hang your heads in shame this season because both of you have been, I mean, one in particular has been even worse than the other. But, you know, whoever plays alongside them two, you're asking a lot from them. But I just, I feel like it would be best in the interest of Curtis Jones to go somewhere else. I do. I, I, I agree with that completely. But I also think before I talk about the player, I have to talk about the management of the player. I, and yes. I don't really think he's been managed particularly well. Neil on the head, yep. Yeah, Justin's just alluded to it there. If you're not going to play him, send him out on loan. Give him yep. some minutes. If, if you compare him to other players, you know, the likes of Elliot went to Blackburn, didn't he? Yes, Got he loads did, of yeah. minutes there, lots of experience, competitive football, at a decent level. You know, he'd have learned so much from that. And Jones hasn't had that opportunity, and we've, we've just used him sparingly. I thought he was pretty unfair, to be honest, to throw him on, you know, in this game. I thought he did okay, but uh, as Justin said, he, he struggles to really impact the game positively or negatively. I think without the ball, I think his pressing is not actually too bad. What catches the eye, though, is when he has the ball and he just looks like he's got three ideas of what to do with it and can't quite decide which is the best one, so ends up doing nothing or choosing the wrong option or something. But I do, I still feel like there's a player there and that's the inexperience. But at some point, he's got to prove it as well. You know, he can't be... Uh, don't want to completely draw the comparison, but like a Jesse Lingard who's 27 and still, you know, apparently got potential <laughs> back in the day. But 
I, I really, really want Jones to to break through, but I think he's still got a lot to prove. And I don't know, out of the current crop, I think I'd still have him in the squad, um, you know, in terms of who who do you have on your books. But I'd definitely send him out on loan somewhere if you're not going to play him. And, and to be honest, from what we've seen in the last year, I, I don't think he's at the level that we need to, to you know, again, this whole team needs a, a bit of unpicking, doesn't it, and, and restructuring. I don't think Curtis Jones is, is in that first, even six midfielders. So, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd get him out on loan for a season and then see where that takes him. But I do still really believe there's a player there. I, I just don't know what the player is. Like, I think that's ultimately yeah. is. What is mm-hmm. the, what, what's the profile you're looking for with him? Because yeah. he went away on international duty for the under for the England under twenty ones and look against the under twenty ones and not senior professionals, but those are still very good footballers at that level. And he was in Sackery, played false nine. And you know, if if that's the position that he's best at, he's not gonna get minutes for us. He's not better than Cody Gakpo. He's not better or than Darwin Nunez. So it it's it ultimately depends upon like where do you see him? Because he is an attacker, and playing him in midfield might just not might might not suit his uh, his you know his skill set. Like he's good at retaining the ball, that's positive. But you know, hold up play that might just be better suited as hold up play in a central attacking position, which I I, I don't think that he's going to end up playing for us anyway. Yeah, for me, I think when I look at the midfield as well, we have a really, really disgusting conundrum. I mean, with regards to Jones, I just think he's stagnated. And I think it's because he has the way he's been managed and the manager not taking a gamble and sending him out on loan and seeing and let him flourish and be his own player. But for me, the midfield just looks like either overplayed players and there was two in there, like they just look broken. I'm sorry, like they look so old and leggy and lethargic. I just have no words for it. And then you have under-seasoned players, like, you know, the fact that Bad Setic, a child, is literally our best midfielder right now, um, you know, was one of our best midfielders, actually is quite damning. And then you've got, like, a crop of... In- and then players, like, who we don't really know much, like, we don't know much about Jones. I have no idea how he uses Elliot as well in the midfield three. It just doesn't work for me. And then he's got players like Thiago, who are luxury players, who get injured. Um, Cater's out. I just feel like the midfield is just a hot, chaotic mess. And there's no structure, like, at least with the attack, you can say, you know what, there's there's players in there. You know, there's options and you can change up things and things can work. But the midfield for me is just, it it really, really needs examining. And to the point where it is actually really affecting the attack and it really affected the attack today because we had like long, hopeful balls to our attack today. And not absolutely absolutely not helping the defense i mean the goal that kai haven't scored thankfully which was ruled off by var because um you know ali being ali brilliant managed to ricochet it back into um havet's arm and it, it it went off on his arm and it you know it got choked off but that ball went through our midfield like it they played through was so easy and that is a concern yeah i mean the other concern is also there is where is joel Matip? um mm. because he's bypassed by that ball as well too but yeah i mean if you think about it we have defenders some of them haven't played that well but it's also because they're under siege constantly because of our midfield our midfield is really it's it's, like our midfield isn't an actual thing it's a frame of mind but like i don't know anybody anybody watch twin peaks but it's like walking into the black lodge which is where your soul goes to fight against the devil and you only get to come out if you show the requisite bravery. None of those guys have come out of the Black Lodge. Um, and then our attack is, you know, it's a bunch of talented players who haven't gelled because they're not putting opportunities to gel. So it is basically just one chaotic hot mess. I think that's a, a fair way of putting it. It really is. I'm going to come to Dave now. And Dave, um, we'll speak about the right-hand side because we saw Gomez coming for Trent. Um, Henderson on the right-hand side of midfield and Jota. I mean, like, what what did you make of that combo? Because Jota on the right, and Justin alluded to it, and we all saw it as well. And I was like, that... When you just saw that lineup, you're like, that doesn't work. You just knew it wasn't going to work. Certainly with Jota there on the right. Yeah. Um, I, I Again, I, I just don't 
really understand the logic. Uh, you know, he, he does his best work for us out on the left. Um, but you look at, I mean, Henderson has just been in a steep decline for a while now. I know Trent has not been great, I mentioned before, since the, the World Cup, but then Gomez hasn't been particularly great this season either. And so, I, I yeah, you look at that right side and I, I feared the worst, to be honest. And I actually don't think Jota had a, a terrible game, but he just never quite looks like he has the the ball under control at times, and I thought tonight was one of those times. So, yeah, I, I think they could have exploited us a lot more, to be honest. But, um, yeah, we, I, like I say, we kept a clean sheet, so didn't do too badly in the end. But it just doesn't really inspire any confidence that, that you know, if we play that same right-hand side again, yeah, I mean, it's not going to create much. You're going to look flaky at the back. <laughs> it's It's not great, really, is it? It's not. And Justin, I'm going to come to you because obviously it finished 0-0 um, first half, um, a lucky escape. Um, we come out in the second half. What is it about the Reds and being absolutely weird when they come out for the second half? It's like the... Uh, it, 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 like, I'm just wondering what they do. Like, are, are, they, are they like, you know, just like, do they get themselves really, really up by just like throwing punches into each other's guts for 10 minutes and then come out and every single one of them is winded and tired? Because I, I like you're supposed to be able to come out from halftime with a renewed sense of purpose because yeah. you've gotten your chance to regroup, and also you're supposed to make tactical adjustments. Like at this point, I think there's been enough of the all or none series on Amazon where we've gotten to see exactly how professional locker rooms work, and in particular the coaching staff. There are people, or at least ostensibly some people, some assistant coaches who are looking at images of exactly what's going on, relaying that information to the head coach during, to the manager during the half, and then you make those adjustments at halftime. We don't make any of those. Who is looking at what the other teams are doing? Nobody. Like, we just don't make adjustments. And it's, it's frustrating. It really is. And I'm going to come to Dave. I mean, Dave, what did you make of the second half start? Because it is a real concern because obviously that was what happened to us against Man City. We got undone on the 46th minute. There were some really, really scary chances in the beginning of the beginning of this half as well um, against Chelsea. I don't know what's going on. I mean, like Justin said, you should be regrouping at that period. You should be kind of a little bit up for it. You've had your little rest. You've had your little talk. You've got together, you've had a discussion, you've, you've you know, talked things out. Tactically, you should be changing things. Why do they come out just like they're not focused? Like, I think this is a big concern, and I think this is where Liverpool lose games. I hate to say it. I, I think it's just bad attitude. Again, I, I'm sure the last time we spoke, I, I said if this was any other manager, you'd be questioning whether the players have stopped playing for the manager. Now, I think it's more, it's not just about the manager. I think it's the whole backroom staff. Um, I, I didn't recognize half of the names. You know, there was an exodus not so long ago, wasn't there? People disappearing, people leaving the club and what have you. And I, I remember thinking, well, no idea what they do, but it's never a good thing when you have an exodus like this. And honestly, I've been waiting for this kind of reaction from the team all season. <laughs> you know, we even had a World Cup in the middle of the season and I'm thinking, well, at least they'll be able to work on stuff. You know, nearly swore there. They'll be able to work on stuff while the World Cup is on and we'll see a different team. So at least there's, you know, there's plenty more games to play for. These little, uh, this is just a bump in the road and, and we somehow got worse. And, yeah, we've had some decent results along the way, but that's because we've got some individual brilliant players. You know, if Alisson wasn't in goals for us, we would be much worse off. You know, if we didn't have Mo, Nunes, you know, I, I think he's had a really good first season. I, I thought he was lively tonight as well. I mean, when you have those good individual players, you know, you'll score goals and you win, you'll win games occasionally. But you're looking for, you know, the coaching staff to actually set the team up 
to do something, you know, to actually, you know, analyze the opposition. And, and remember a few seasons ago when we had the throwing coach, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was down to those fine margins. And it's almost, it feels as if they've just thrown all that out and gone, oh, you know what, just get your best. It's the Mike Bassett approach. Just get your players on the pitch and, you know, just go beat them, lads. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And how many times have you seen it in football where, you know, the team has been on the back foot the whole first half, has a couple of chances at the end of the half, but then in the second half, they've had a bit of a rocket uh, from the manager, and then they come out all uh, firing on all cylinders, and we we come out like we've just got out of bed. <laughs> and so, yeah, I I think it's just again, it's just a systematic problem. But I'm afraid I have to say it, it feels to me now like like it's just attitude. If you can get up for games against the top teams, against the likes of United and stick seven goals past them. You can stick nine goals against Bournemouth and then get beaten by them uh, later in the season. You've got a bad attitude. Look at all our results against the bottom teams as well. It's just, I don't know if it's still a, a bit of a hangover from last season or whether it's more a coincidence and just the lack of recruitment, the lack of focus on recruitment in the midfield possibly a combination of all of those things. But yeah, I, I, I think when you're seeing players turn it on one week against top teams and then not another week, then, you know, that, that to me, it's attitude. Yeah. And I think speaking of attitude as well, I think what the problem is as well, to me as well, it looks like we've got no leader on that pitch. Like, I look at yeah. them and nobody looks like a leader. I mean, they all look like leaders when, you know, things were going great and we were winning things and, you know, we were like this this absolute force, not only in the Premier League, but in Europe. Um, uh, you know, everyone looks great and everyone could be a mentality monster then and everyone can step up. But this season, literally, Justin, nobody has stepped up at all. Nobody looks like a leader and it kind of pisses me off that our captain seems to think that leadership is screaming in people's faces. It actually yeah. winds me up. And who he did it to today as well. Like, and the way he did it and the nature in which he did it. And then for all he, for him to kind of get served back because he absolutely had a howler himself like three minutes afterwards. I was just like, the audacity of that. There's a certain point at which, um, you know, like some, some people occasionally get accused of making excuses for Jordan Henderson. Um, I have fallen into that camp in my life. I like the guy. I deeply respect what he's done as a footballer and, and, and the fact that he's maximized his talent. That said, he's had a putrid season. And there does come a point where if you're not able to handle yourself on the pitch, your teammates will take offense when you try to give it to them. Now, his job is to give it to his teammates. He is the captain. Like that's part of your job is to make sure that everybody is accountable to everybody else. And you do that by being the one to hold them to account. But it, it does ring hollow when you're unable to, you know, to bring the goods yourself. So he's in a tough spot. Um, I, I, again, though, I, I feel for him even here too, because you know what? He probably shouldn't have been playing tonight. He just came off in 90 minutes three days ago. He's 32 years old. His legs are gone. Why is he playing? And I get the answer is because we don't have any other choice. I mean, yes. your other choice is you play Arthur, who um, is actually, you know, not really an option. Like Arthur Mello uh, playing playing more than th- 13 minutes he played in Napoli is not a thing that anybody needs to see given the state that we're in, right? Because he's not he's not part of the future. Like Play things that can be part of the future. The problem is you don't have any young midfielders that you can do that with because Bicevich is hurt. Tyler Morton's on loan. Curtis Jones, you can play. Harvey Elliott, you can play. Both of them aren't really midfielders, but it's just a, it's a problem of your own making. And I think in reality, the only solution is just getting to the summer. doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter which league we're playing. You just get to the summer, and then um, you have to spend to fix your problems. And one of those problems is Jordan Henderson having to play a lot. Yeah, and also his contract as well. 
the fact that he his contract. Gone. Yeah, he his contract. His contract. His contract's now the problem. Like between him and Fabinho, like I hate going into transfer stuff, and I don't want to talking talking about like mm-hmm. talking about getting rid of players, but you can't have both him and Fabinho around at the same time. This needs to be the end for both of them together, and you have to get rid of one of them. And nobody's going to buy Henderson, so move Fabinho's contract off the book somehow, because. Part of the way within which, with this ownership group, we're actually going to be able to spend is just not have a lot of money committed to um, players, you know, to player contracts. Just use the wage bill differently. And part of it is going to be eleven million pounds playing for paying for video a year. Well, you just mentioned Arthur Mello there. How much have we paid him? I think we paid him about three million, three million pounds. That's a lot per minute. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Uh, you know, yeah. my, you know, you know what my problem with the Arthur Mello thing is as well is the fact that I think there was a story way back when, I think about a month ago, even longer, that Liverpool will not, you know, like, uh, will end their um, thingy yeah. with, with Arthur Mello at the end of the season. Don't, don't make that shit public. Mm. Don't even tell the player. Get him motivated. Tell him, yeah, we're thinking about you. We're thinking about you. So when he comes on the pitch, he might actually fucking do something. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's the management of what you're leaking out to the press as well. You know, like, Klopp, you might not be sold on him. And you're right, you've already given him 30 minutes and then he's been injured. And then he's had to do this whole rehab thing. Don't let the player know that. Let him know you're very much, I'm still thinking about you. I'm still thinking about you. So then you might have a player that when Man City score a goal and Pep Guardiola celebrates, he's not actually fucking shaking his hands. Yeah, I want him to fucking... He's detached. I wanted him on the plane to fucking turn that night. Yeah. But he's detached. Do you understand what I'm saying, Justin? He is detached. Oh, completely. I don't, I don't blame the player. Like, he's not playing. I mean, like, look, part of it's injuries, part of it's luck. I don't, I, I don't blame players for any of these things because you know what? They're only given one career. They want to play as much of it as they possibly can. Mm. Um, right? Like, That's bad management from club. Call, let's call it. Yeah. Like, you, don't, you don't leak that stuff to the press. You don't tell them that this player does not have a future with me. You tell that player, no matter what you think, you, you know what? Still give him the benefit of the doubt. I agree with you. Especially when you don't have the luxury of midfielders. It's, it's also hard to swallow. I, I have a constant back and forth with, with one of my best mates because, uh, you know, He's very much a, an FSG out sort of person. And I'm saying, well, we have had money. We've just chosen not to spend it in the midfield. And we've kept, you know, people like Ox around. We've kept Cater around. We've kept players around. And there's, I, I absolutely love Tiago. When he's on it, he's an absolute Rolls Royce. But it's no good if he's only available 30% of the time. So, yeah. That guy you know, called him a luxury player. That whatever we build now, he's just going to have to be a luxury on added on top of that. You can't expect him to play week in, week out. I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. So we we've just recruited very poorly in the midfield. I, I'll still, I, I'd like the look of Gakpo. I think there's a real player there. But I was scratching my head and thinking, why have we just signed another left midfielder? Okay, is the Diaz injury? 
a lot worse than than what we think. But then we've got youngsters as well who can play that position. So for me, it was crying out for the the midfield uh, to be replenished. And and you know we've made our choice. So you can't complain about the the lack of funds when we've had the funds and we've just chosen to spend them elsewhere. If we are not interested at all in playing Arthur Mello, get him out of the club, even if you have to pay him off for the season. What is the point in having him around? I I don't understand it. The panic transfer, wasn't it, when Jordan Henderson got injured? That's exactly what it was. That was the only time then he decided that, oh, maybe I should get a midfielder. It's just really, really bad planning. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm probably not in the best of mood. I I thought I'd be positive, but I think just Klopp's attitude and his handling of this whole season has been nothing short of frustrating in every regard. The way he's so prickly with the press, the way he doesn't, like, the way he snarls at questions when they're asked. Well, you are going to be asked these questions. People are going to ask you about investments. People are going to ask about you, ask you about the midfield. Like, these are things that you're going to have to answer because these are the things that people are seeing that are failing. Like, you have to take accountability. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, I, I mean, I'd heard on, on different podcasts and things that, you know, maybe he's taking on more and more, you know, outside yes. of the coaching. And Dave, maybe just... Dave, Dave, Dave Hendrick mentioned, um, we were chatting on, on Saturday on, on Twitter and he goes that, you know, he, he seems to have a lot of saying things or it looks mm. that way. Um, which is why maybe a, there's been maybe a mass exodus of, of like certain, um, you know, people upstairs. And mm-hmm. maybe that's why he agreed to a contract. The fact that he'd have more say. And I just think, you know what, maybe be humble now and realize that there are things that I'm very good at and I should maybe just focus on them and let people who are good at that job, let them deal with that. Because right yeah. now my coaching job looks a little heavy and stacked because clearly I'm not giving it my all because the players are not responding to what I'm asking them to do. Yeah, and, and we love to hero worship, don't we? We we love that heroic effort and, and we'll single out individuals when really it's a whole team, it's a whole system. And when I'm talking about the team there, the, the context I'm talking about is the backroom staff and yes. not even just the coaching staff. It's the people who are doing the scouting. It's the, the wider network of scouts. You know, it's, it's the And that's when we were doing... successful though, weren't we? When we actually had a structure that worked. Yeah, exactly. And so you've got all of these people. And that's why I was worried when you started to see these names of people who were, were leaving the club and whatever. Edwards was the first big one, wasn't he? And then, yes, he was. You know, but it was the people that you didn't know what they did. I just thought it was a, a really negative sign that all was not well. So for me, that I'll never understand what what they all did. <laughs> but evidence suggests what they were doing worked pretty well before yeah. um, and, and you know, hasn't been since, really. I mean, Justin, have you got anything to say on that matter? As I know you watch a lot of sports and things and, you know, the, the importance of having a well-placed structure. Yeah, I mean, you, you need uh, every single part of your actual team to be working together, and it doesn't seem like ours are. But I actually wanted to shift gears and talk about Chelsea for a moment because they suffer from the same thing where they have complete and total disjointedness around their entire club. And they managed to, you know, after getting rid of Potter, actually change their tactics to be good in the course of about 24 hours. So it's doable. You can actually change things for the better quickly. You just have to embrace change. I think that I think Chelsea's biggest problem, though, is over recruitment, isn't it, on the pitch? So they, they've got so many players, and they don't quite know how to, you know, what their best system is, what their best way of playing is, and I, you can see it when you've got quality players at your disposal, you can kind of band together. And it, and it's a it's a bit of a bump, isn't it? That new manager bump. Well, yeah, part of it is also playing Kovacic and Conte together because of the fact that the two of them know exactly how the other one plays because they played 
so many minutes together and had yeah. and and like the three of them and Enzo basically completely dominated that game. They got yeah. all of they got yeah. all of Chelsea's forwards on the ball in space. Like um I mean in particular Jeff Felix killed us. Like absolutely killed us. And I mean her virtue with it got the ball in space and in time uh, in space and with time all the time as well too. Like they 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 had us they had it figured out how to get how to get like you know those two into good positions constantly, and then actually Chelsea's attack completely died in the second half because they just stopped trying and you know kind of almost was like uh, everybody's fine taking a point here yeah great thanks yeah and it just kind of upsets me as well when you look at that okay you you spoke about midfield and those those three really did dominate Justin I think you're spot on but you look at that back three as well you know that. That back three, it, you can shake it. And we know it, it can shake, you know, in, in Fafana, Cucurella and Kulabali. And we just didn't do anything to them. Like, Fafana no. had a really good game. Like, how? He, Fafana had a good game. He didn't have to do much. Like, yeah. anytime, anytime that we got one of our forwards uh, on the ball in their area, it was one on two. Like, you had one who could go take the ball and the other, you know, one who could take the man, the other one could recover the ball, which is how you're supposed to defend, like, you know, in, in wide areas. And that's what they did. Like, they did that to Darwin constantly. Like, we just, they, they, they got the tactics right. Their players were better. Um, we and, you just, know, Cucurella was on the back of, like, a bit of a howler against Aston Villa, right, when Watkins scored. <laughs> like, you exploit that. And obviously, we didn't do any, you know, like, get on his heels. You know, like, you know, do like, something. press him. Yes. Just do anything. I don't know. We're, we're really bad. It, it's, it's terrible mm. to watch. I think, I've, I think I've run out of things to say about how bad we are because we made a Chelsea side that was an absolute mess look like they were fucking robbed. Yeah. And you know what, Dave, I'm going to come to you. Let's just quickly talk about this um, Klopp subs because we have to talk about them. So it was around about 64 minutes when... Um, so 66 minutes when Jurgen Klopp decides that he needs to make some subs. So obviously Timmy Casper's on a yellow card who didn't have the best of games, let's be honest, but it was all quite disjointed as, as a whole. I thought both fullbacks that came in, um, I thought Timmy Cass was probably worse than Gomez. Uh, Gomez wasn't awfully great either, but obviously Robertson comes in and then Mo Salah comes on for Darby Nunes, which I was surprised about. I can't lie. Yeah, I I, I didn't get that at all. I thought... In terms of so Firmino came off first. Firmino came off first, so he took off Firmino. That makes sense. But then, obviously, later on, he decides to take off Darwin Nunes instead of Jota. Found that very strange. Yeah, and I don't know. Is he thinking about the next match? Maybe Um, possibly. I I thought Nunes was was our best outfield player. I, I thought he looked dangerous. The problem is, as Justin's just mentioned, there every time he got the ball, there were two players on him. And that's because, you know, that's when you actually have midfielders helping out the defence. That's what you get there. So even with that, he still looked to create things. And, um, yeah, I thought it was an odd move to take him off. I don't know. Maybe that was a planned substitution. Maybe that wasn't really reacting to the game. Maybe they decided this before Nunes has had injuries recently, hasn't he? So maybe it was just managing his minutes there. I think uh, Robertson for Simicast was was uh, you know just like for like. I, I mean, if you're going to give Robertson a rest, give him a rest. <laughs> I, I don't think Robertson coming on was not going to change the game. So you know, even though Simicast wasn't great, I thought he could have let him have the ninety minutes. Um, <laughs> my old mate, you know, James Milner coming on again made me die a little inside, but. Actually, I thought he played all right when he came on. Uh, it's just, it makes me die inside because it's 2023 and we're still having to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Only guy who looked like he gave a shit. He did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did. James Milner was the only guy who looked like he cared. Yeah. And again, you know, hang your heads in shame. I mean, Justin, I mean, even when, you know, Jürgen Klopp brings on those strikers in, in Mosul and Cody Gakpo later on, and of course we, we saw Nunes even, I think um, Dave's made an excellent point that maybe it was like sort of pre-planned, those subs that at this moment you'll come off. But even when those guys came on, I felt like Mosul, he gave me vibes of him this season earlier on where he just looked very isolated. 
and he was operating too deep or too isolated far out wide it just didn't look like he was going to have any kind of impact in terms of the attack i just don't understand how you can expect a forward to do anything when you have no means of progressing the ball to them in dangerous areas yep it's it's, it's basically it you could put fucking prime ronaldo not the portuguese not the portuguese one that i dislike but the brazilian one that i yeah, one. the real one. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could put him through the middle of our of our team right now. And despite his individual brilliance and just, you know, maybe being the best player in the world the world's ever seen for about eighteen months, mm-hmm. um, he he would he would he would be a non factor because forwards can't produce if they don't get the ball in in areas where they have a defense mildly off balance to do something with it. And we're not giving Salah a sniff when he does that because Mo lately, when he has had a sniff, has done things with it. Like he's, you know, scoring it against City. He's, you know, he's at least putting chances away. But if if, if there are no chances, there there's no chances to put away. And you know, the damning stat for us is we created not a single big chance uh, all match. Which then, on the positive spin, makes this one point even more, you should be maybe more grateful for it because we literally did nothing and they actually had the better of the chances. So, I mean, it's just... Oh, really? it's just, we were fucking lucky today. This is actually a good point. It just comes in the same way that every single terrible, terrible performance away from home has come for us. Like, we're an insipid team away and there was no sign of that changing today. Yep. I think that's fair, and I don't think we should be surprised. Guys, I, I'm pretty much done with this game now. Is there anything you kind of want to highlight, want to kind of discuss um, at the closing segment of the show? Um, Dave, anything that you kind of want to mention? About this match, probably not, but I uh, just want to pick up a, a small point that Kira mentioned earlier, that, you know what, I wouldn't be massively surprised. I, I said about the players seemingly have a bad, having a bad attitude. And part of that is getting up for the big games and not for the, uh, not for all the games, and uh, you know, having to be motivated by something. But I wouldn't be massively surprised if we got a result against Arsenal, and that would be great. I, I'll enjoy that result, you know, as I, as I do whenever mm. we get a result. But it, it still it, it would kind of validate what I feel negatively about it being a bad attitude. Into think... the Conference League. Yeah, I I have to say I'm with you. By the way, I I, sooner we finished eighth. I I I don't want the Europa. I don't want that Conference League rubbish. I I just we need a proper batten down the hatches, regroup, um, get rid of the deadwood that you know has been hanging around. People like Ox, I thought was amazing that that 2018 season Mm -hmm. before he got injured, um, but. You know, that's five years ago now. <laughs> so we we just need a, a a season out of the out of anything that we don't have to be in, and just regroup, get down to that nucleus of the squad again, and start rebuilding. And I don't think it will take you know a complete clear out, but it has to start with the midfield. And I think you're looking at a good three signings to you know to build that squad properly. I like that. Um, I like the holistic, pragmatic approach to that. And what about you, Justin? Any final thoughts of the game? We're not doing Man of the Match, by the way, because why? No, because nobody should bring the Man of the Match <laughs> for that. Um, my, favorite, my favorite part about that game was the fact that it ended. Yes. The travelling cop was pretty good. To be yes, good. yes. yes. Good. Big up to Harinder. Big up to Harinda and, and the Sings. Legends, yeah. absolute legends. Yeah, guys, um, that is the end of this show. Um, a massive thank you to Kieran who called in. Really appreciate it. A massive thank you to all you guys that joined us live on Discord. A massive shout out to Lisa Marie who kept Dave and Justin company whilst I was having some technical issues with my setup. And of course, where would this show be without these two excellent gents? 
Um, a massive thank you to both um, Dave and Justin. Before I let them go, plugs. Justin, I'll come to you first. Um, no plug. It's just, you know, uh, been a rough season. But if you are looking for, uh, you know, kind of the, the footballing equivalent of group therapy, uh, go join the supporters club. They're, they're mostly good people and they do some good things for their communities. They really do. And um, if you are um, a fan who's overseas as well, it's a really great way to kind of find like-minded supporters and build a community as well. Because, you know, sometimes I think a lot of overseas fans, I always find that sometimes football can be a form of isolation as well. Like you might not know people who share the same passion as you. So it's a good way to kind of branch out and make friends. So definitely, definitely recommend that one. And Dave, what about you? Give me some film recommendations, something that you're working on, anything that isn't Liverpool related. Come on. Well, you know what? Instead of plugging, what I'd just like to do is just encourage everyone listening to Go and donate to your local food bank. Even if you're just doing your shopping, you know, chuck a couple of extra tins in or something. And and most of the supermarkets have got collection points as well. There is some really uh, dangerous language that's being used by people in power at the minute. And it's, it's not taking us in a good place. So we just have to remember to look after each other because those buggers won't. I, I didn't swear, Nina. No, you did I, <laughs> I think really I did. Too, but, yeah, you know, um, you, you, you're better than me because I'm sure I, 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 my eye went off the ball and I'm, I'm sure I've dropped an F-bomb in there somewhere, but you know what, it's fine. Um, th- These things happen. Um, Again, another excellent plug. Do, do help your local food banks. Um, They definitely, definitely need your help and support. A lot of people need help and probably, you know, it's a discreet way of helping your fellow human. So guys, um, Thank you so much for listening. A massive thank you to everyone that's like um, listening to the podcast as well. Really, really appreciate it. I'll be back for the Arsenal game. But till then, take care. And um, yeah, up the reds, I guess. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go... We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.